We thank you that you're not a God way out there, aloof and uninvolved and unconcerned and unloving. But you're a God of love who has been in this love relationship of the community of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity past, and you've invited us and created us with the potential of being part of your family forever. And we thank you that you not only gave yourself for us on the cross, but at Pentecost, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, you give yourself to us, that you, the living God, might live in us and give us a living hope. And so, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to speak to us and lead us and guide us as a church, as we prepare for vision dinner, as we prepare for what you have planned for us in the coming year, as we ask you to guide us how we are to use the resources that you have provided for us. Give us great wisdom that we would follow and obey you. And as we look at your word, We ask that you would speak to us today. May there be something that you want to say to each one of us individually and personally. Help us to be listening for that. And we ask that we will hear and respond in love and fit in with whatever you say to us. In the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus, who died and rose again, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is working in you so that he can work through you. And he is wanting you, as will be the focus a little bit of next year, wanting you to become more and more like his son, the Lord Jesus. The idea is not to just get your ticket to heaven, but to transform you into the image of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. God is just as interested or maybe even more interested in who you are than in just what you do. Yes, he wants you and he asks you to do things to fulfill his purposes in this world, but he's also asking you to respond and become and reflect his character. For we were created in his image to be in his likeness, to reflect him to show him to the world, to be his ambassadors, to be his emissaries. So when people look at us, they see him. But I don't know about you, but it doesn't just happen by accident. It doesn't happen by a switch of the button. It doesn't even happen immediately. You're born again to the Spirit and baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, which you evidence in believers' baptism. It does say this about Moses at the end of his life. It says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. It's interesting the context in which that scripture is said. Actually, his leadership is just being challenged by Aaron and his brother and um, his sister, whose name just escapes me. Miriam, thank you, Miriam. Yes, I should remember. (laughs) I've just been challenged by them. And uh, they're saying, who do you think you are? Who made you, you know, the only person that God speaks through? And and, uh, Moses, instead of fighting them, uh, God calls them all into the tent of meeting and there God gets angry at these two because it was not Moses' idea, it was actually God's idea to get him to lead his people to the promised land. 
And in the end, uh, Miriam ends up with a a disease, a a leprosy-style skin disease. And Moses says, oh, um, Aaron says to Moses, be merciful, please pray and ask God to forgive us for what we've done. And so Moses prays uh, for Miriam and she's healed and forgiven in this rebellion against his leadership. And in that, just a little frame in the middle of this big story is this statement. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. How, how did he get there, and what does that mean, and what does that look like? Was he always like that? Was just, that just him? The other thing we read, and Hebrews reflects on Moses at the end of his ministry. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. In all that God had planned, Moses was faithful in fulfilling that plan. However, it doesn't seem to be as that's how he began. He certainly began with a miraculous, he had a miraculous beginning. I don't know if you know the story, but, you know, Pharaoh was trying to do, uh, he was worried that the Israelites were multiplying faster than the Egyptians and uh, they could then um, join with enemy forces and maybe take over Egypt. So he thought, how do we get rid of the next generation? And so he started an infanticide program, killing all the baby boys uh, and... Um, by faith, uh, Moses's parents decided to hide him and make a basket and uh, seal it so they could put it in the river where all the other babies, boys, were being thrown and killed and uh, drowned. Uh, and yet Moses was miraculously spared and then found by uh, Pharaoh's daughter and uh, brought in, looked after by his mother, uh, but uh, in the Pharaoh's house. And then we see quite a bold and courageous young man. Hebrews also tells us, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He identifies himself. He realized that he was actually a Hebrew, though he was brought up and trained uh, uh, under the Egyptians. But he realized what his roots were and where his background was. And maybe his mother had taught him uh, when she was looking after him in Pharaoh's house or in her own home on behalf of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, but there came a point where uh, he uh, decided he would, uh, he would not be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter and have that position of authority, but he wanted to be known as a, a Hebrew. But there seems to be one thing missing. Now, I might say this is not the word of the Lord. This is just a reflection of me as I look at what we read here. Maybe he knows the stories and the promise that God had made that after a certain time he would bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and bring them to the promised land. God had made that promise. He'd given them the promise. He'd made it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, even Joseph, when he died, asked to make sure that they promised that when they went back to their land that they would take his body with them and take it back. So there was this understanding there was coming a deliverer. Somebody would come. God would do it one day. And Perhaps Moses thought, maybe that's me, and I'm going to do it. So one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked them, the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler or judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. 
When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. Perhaps there is one thing missing, even in the miraculous birth and the faith of his parents and even in the boldness and the courage uh, to be not known as uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But there seems to be one thing missing that he later becomes very well known for. Takes things into his own hands, does it his own way, uh, thinks he's doing what's right because I'm the great mighty deliverer here. But God is concerned about Moses as a person, not just what, God, what Moses is going to do for God's people. For God is working in you. He is just concerned about who you become as what you do. Who you are as what you achieve. So often we're just concerned about what we achieve and what we do. And we tend to very often be less concerned about who we are and what we're becoming as a person. And so let's look at Genesis 3 and 4. So he flees, and for 40 years, from this miraculous, from this boldness, and then he's taking this action, and for fear of his life, he runs away, and he's in the desert of Midian, and he's looking after sheep. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I want to suggest to you this morning, don't miss God in the everyday. Sometimes we think that we can only meet God on Sunday morning or we can only meet God on some big conference or retreat. Don't miss God in the everyday because God is everywhere. God is going before you. He's already at work in that workplace. He's already at work in this world. This is his world. And we'll slowly see that humility is learning to fit in with him and fit under his leadership. It's what we were talking about last week as biblical submission. Humility. And don't miss God in the disappointments of life. This was probably not what Moses had planned. Moses probably hadn't planned that he was a nobody looking after sheep. I mean, the Egyptians looked down on shepherds. That's why when the Israelites came, they, they hid that idea from them if you read the story back to Joseph and his brothers coming to Egypt you are the scum of the earth and here he is doing the most detestable thing don't miss God in the disappointments of life I know there's a whole lot of books and I've read them and I enjoy them they're good to motivate them setting goals and planning your goals and your dreams and your visions but the reality of life sometimes they don't work sometimes they don't happen and what you'd planned and what you'd hoped for and what you thought would happen don't come about. Are you open to meeting God and experiencing God and seeing what God's going to do in your life, in the disappointments as well as in the everyday? He went out like he's probably done for every other day over this long period of time of 40 years. 
maybe not expecting God to turn up. It was certainly something different. It was a bush burning. Well, in the desert there, sometimes bushes like this would catch on fire with the heat and combust, but mostly they would just disintegrate because of that. But here there was something different again. It, this fire wasn't consuming it. And so he decided to go over and have a look. Don't miss God in the everyday, in that workplace, in that home, in that place. It's not the job you really wanted, nor is the position you had been going for. And uh, don't miss God, because God's there as well. Do you know what? Let me tell you a little secret. It was never my plan or idea to come to Toowoomba. It was never my plan or thinking that I would plant a church. I remember talking to somebody saying, oh, so you, uh, you know, you, you've trained as a church planter and was that the vision God gave you to be a church planter? And I said, no, 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 that was never on my radar. And it was a disaster and a wilderness that ended up this opportunity coming and just to let you a little secret, I thought when they asked me to go to this place, I thought it was... Ipswich and it was just an hour away from home and I thought yeah I could do that an hour drive an hour back they told me the right word but I had visualized a different distance and I remember the first day coming up to do the interim that I was doing and uh, oh oh it's another hour on for that oops oops 10 years later nearly <laughs> we're still doing that don't don't miss God don't miss God when it doesn't seem to work out as you thought it would work out and your plans don't work because ultimately you want to fit in with what God's doing and it mightn't line up with what you initially had planned. And God may turn up in the very ordinary places of life and sometimes in the disappointing places of life. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Have you ever noticed in scriptures how God is spoken of as the one who knows everything, and yet he seems to always keep asking questions about where people are. You know, back when we looked at Genesis, he comes back to the garden, and he calls out Adam and Eve are hiding themselves. Where are you? As if God didn't know. It's not that. God knows exactly where you are at. He's really wanting you to admit that. Where are you at, Adam and Eve? I know what you've done, I know the... But I want you to come to that realization. God knows that Moses has turned up. He knows everything about Moses and his history and what he's doing and what he's spending his time. And, but Moses is coming to accept who I'm here. Here I am. Here I am. If you come to a place with God, here I am. As I am. With all my hopes and dreams and all my failures and disappointments. You know them anyway, but I'm, I'm coming to admit them. I, here I am. God knows where you're at. However, he wants to get you to where you should be. 
because he wants to transform you into the image of his son. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He loves you deeply and intimately. Why in the world would he come and suffer and die and take your pain and your guilt and your shame and your judgment in order to be forgiven so that you could have a relationship with him if he did not want you and he did not love you and he did not care for you and he did not want the best for you. The whole of the scripture and the life of Jesus is saying, I love you deeply. He created you in love. But love demands the response of love. And part of that is the learning of humility to not be my own God and I will make my own decisions and do what I want and go where I want, even if sometimes we think I'm doing it for God. We'll come to prayer because that's sometimes where you see, have you, have you come and learnt like Moses to be humble? And it starts with him taking off his sandals. Taking off his sandals. Taking off his shoes. A sign of submission. In some cultures, you don't go into a place of worship without taking off your shoes. In some cultures, it was, it was really humbling yourself. A sign of humility. This was the beginning of God trying to work in your life. You were a bit of a big shot back there in Egypt. But God is God and you're a created being. You are not God. And will I humble myself in the presence of the Almighty and realizing that ultimately and finally and absolutely he is in charge and it's his world. And my life is actually a gift from him, all that I have. And will I humbly place myself under his leadership? Start by taking off your sandals. I may have been wrong in this, but I remember a funny story. There was a guy that I knew was in a previous church, and somewhere along the line he'd got this idea. He felt that God had spoke to him, and, and uh, he would not preach with shoes on because he was on holy ground. And uh, trouble is we had a policy and a, a law, and he wanted to preach up on stage, and we had a lot of power cables there. And I said, well, actually you... Our policy is you have to have shoes on. And uh, whether I was right or he was right, one day we'll find out in the greater size. And um, so he didn't want to preach until I was away. And then he would take his shoes off and preach when I wasn't <laughs> there. And I was trying to say, well, actually, the principle is this stage of the game, whether you like it or not, I'm sort of responsible here. And I would have thought that the right thing to do was you fit in with that. But... Anyway, no, no, God had told him. And uh, so whenever he preached, he would have his shoes off. So I, I, I sometimes struggle with reading that, but the, the, the principle is that they not, not do it some other part, but to God. Ultimately, we've got to please him. But humility is something we can learn in even the workplace. How do I work in the workplace when somebody else is in charge? How do I fit under them or fit in with them? Because one day... As I say to young people who are coming up in ministry, 
one day, you, at the moment, you've got to fit under their leadership and you maybe not agree with their leadership. But how you treat them, one day, because you reap what you sow, one day you might be the leader and have to make the decisions. And how are you wanting people to fit in with your leadership? So be humble. And they may not always make the right decisions, so pray for them like crazy, that God would change their heart. But what's my role in this position? And then what's my role later when things tables have turned? It's learning humility, what Aaron and Miriam were struggling with. Because you see, it wasn't Moses' decision to lead his people. He'd tried that. Ended in failure, ended in the desert. But now we're seeing God's coming and saying, would you submit and place yourself under my leadership? And the idea was good, but the timing was bad and how you did it was not what I wanted. Now I'm going to take you back and we're going to do what I'd always planned to do. But now you're going to do it in submission to me, in humility with me as the leader. Take off. God knows where you're at, but he wants to get you there to where you should be. The Lord said, this is an interesting section. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I want to encourage us, don't presume God's delays are God's denials. Don't presume that God's delays are God's denials. Maybe Moses is thinking, why didn't God help me to deliver the children of Israel back there? Maybe the children of Israel have been praying and crying out to God for 430 years already. Why did it take so long? before God did something. And sometimes we can think that God's denied that prayer. I don't know the whys. Perhaps it's getting Moses ready to be able to lead them in a way that would honor God. Maybe it's getting the people ready so that they will accept his leadership to be able to follow him out. I don't know all the circumstances that need to align and get into place for God's purposes to be fulfilled. He had made a promise that they would come out of slavery and they would get to the promised land. And sometimes we can be so impatient and we're praying and we're presuming that God must have said, no, don't presume God's delays are God's denials. Sometimes timing. God knows the big picture, we just know the little bit. But God had seen, he wasn't unaware. Sometimes we think he doesn't know and he doesn't care. No, he'd seen their misery. He had heard their prayers. He was concerned about their suffering. And now he was coming down to do something about it. But the other side of that is this. And this is where God's... Responsibility, our responsibility and where prayer works, this is a difficult balance I want to just hit on. So now, I have seen, God says, I have heard, I am concerned, I am going to deliver them. So now I'm sending you. <laughs> do, you do you get that? Does that ever hit you sort of, hang on a minute, I thought God was doing this. Yes, he is. 
I thought this was God's idea. Yes, it is. What's it got to do with me? Well, that's how he's working. He is doing it, but through you. And for some reason, in his sovereignty, God has chosen to do that, to work through his people, not around them or over them or without them. In love, that's his prerogative to choose to do that. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So humility is learning to live in the reality of the I-thou relationship. It is me. God doesn't sort of, I don't sort of melt into the divine like other religions and I become part of the big cosmos or whatever. It's still me. And I can choose. But God is still God. And the I-thou relationship, how do I fit in? You see, sometimes we go to one extreme or the other of this. We can pray as if God is our servant and God, you need to do this and you need to do that and why aren't you doing this? And we're telling God what he needs to do. And so we just sort of pray and we're wondering why does God not do anything? And yet, or the other side, we do it in our own strength and we don't even consider God in that. We just do, 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 do. There is a relationship here a love relationship that is God's will and God's plan. And we're needing to be seeking to find out and discern what that is and how do I fit in with him? Yes, he wants to do it through me. So prayer is not just telling God what to do, which it is not. Prayer is getting my heart right to hear what God wants to do through me. God is saying to Moses, I have seen, I have heard, and I have come to rescue them now. I'm sending you to do that as my image and as my representative. Will you, in humility, place yourself under my leadership and allow me to give you the authority and the power and the ability and the skills and the gifts to do what I want to be done? And humility is learning to fit in under his leadership, learning this dynamic And I can talk and suggest, but ultimately I fit in. Just like Abraham, when God was going to do something with Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, but what if there's only 50 people? What if there's 40? What if there's 30? And he's having even this discussion with God, but ultimately I fit in. That's humility, the I, their relationship. So it's not just praying and doing nothing, and it's not doing everything and not praying. Somehow these, it's a relationship. And I ain't got it right yet. But I remember talking to my dad about this once because their church was going through a difficult time and they were just praying. And I'm thinking, but maybe there's some things, if you're going to win people to Jesus, maybe there's some things you need to be doing as well. So don't just tell God we need to do this. Ask him, how do we get involved in this? But sometimes in our youth we can think it's all dependent on me and we don't stop to even consult him. Humility is learning to live in the reality of the high there. God had seen. God was fully aware. God knew the concerns more than even Moses did, more than you do. Maybe you have a passion for your work situation or your home or your church or whatever ministry or in the city, and, and God, God's there before you. God's already out there. You can never get ahead of God, really. He, he's already there. You, 
How do I fit in with what he's planning? How do I listen? How do I submit? How do I do what he's asking? I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that I can bring them out of Egypt, God says. But Moses said to God, and now we see at least five excuses. Moses is going, he's gone from one extreme to the other. Back there, young man, he gets up, I can do all this, kill that Egyptian, stop these guys. What do you think? You're fighting against each other. And they turn around, who do you think you are? But I can fix this. And now he's saying, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be a sign that I've sent you. You have brought the people out of Egypt. You'll worship God on this mountain. When you've achieved what I've done, there'll be this humility of worship. You'll realize God's done it through you, and you'll worship me on this mountain. Humility is not putting yourself down as if you're hopeless and you're useless. We think that's the opposite of pride. So if you're proud, you're confident, and if you're humble, well, I'm a nobody, I'm useless, and poor me, and I'm terrible. God, in the end, wasn't very happy with Moses' excuses because he said, I'll be with you. Humility is not saying I'm a nobody. Accepting, it's accepting that his presence actually makes me a somebody. When you have brought them out, because I'm going to empower you to bring them out, you will worship me. You'll acknowledge that I am your God and I have done it through you. I am with you. That's the crucial difference. Moses said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what's his name? What will I tell them? God says, I am who I am. I am the self-existent one. I've always been. I was uncreated. I'm always and have always been there. Humility is not saying I don't know, so I can't know, but a willingness to learn from one who does know. And sometimes in the workplace and in life, Instead of thinking we know everything, sometimes it's good to find out from somebody who does. In the big scheme of things, he knows a willingness to learn. Moses answered, what if they do not believe or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said, what's that in your hand? Moses, a staff, he replied, what he'd been using to do his work with the sheep. The Lord said, throw it to the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Humility is realizing God has already given me all that I need for all that he asks me to do. So the question is, what have you got? God has already given me all that I need for all that he asks me to do. What's that in your hand? One preacher said once, what's in your hand? Give it to God. He'll take the snake out of it. And if he gives it back to you, it'll be his authority and his power to fulfill his purposes. God has given you all that you need. You know, and God prepares a long time in advance. When I was a young preacher in Blackwater, I was going to a church in Melton, and I thought they had a bus. I'll get a bus license. Well, it's a lot easier in Blackwater, drive around the block, turn up police stations, sign a document, got it. 
you know, out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so I got my big bus license. So I went to the church in Victoria at Melton, and, uh, to which they've asked me back for their 50th anniversary to preach in a few weeks' time. And the board said I can go and celebrate that with them because I'm still their longest-serving pastor. They couldn't get rid of me either. No, <laughs> So we got back there. But, but then they sold it before I got there, so I never used the license. I had a bus license. 20 years later, things don't go well in the church, and I ended up with depression, anxiety. You know the story. And what am I going to do to pay the bills? And I drive past a bus depot close to us, and there's this sign out, bus drivers needed. Suddenly dawns on me, I have a bus license. Because some guys get into counselling, I was in no place to help anybody else. Bus drivers needed. So I turned up, and they were desperate, thank God. And, uh, and I said, do you have a bus license? I said, yes. I, they didn't ask me whether I'd driven a bus in the last 20 years. They just asked me whether I had a bus driver, and I'd kept it current. So I said, yes. And they said, hop on that bus and drive it around the block and come back. They didn't put anybody with me. Thank God for that too. So I hopped on the bus and I drove it around the block, managed to get it back in one piece. And they said, can you start Monday morning? What's that you got in the hand? You know, and God looked after us even in all of that way before I knew that would happen, that I had what I needed. So, And if you've ever had depression, anxiety, I could do two hours in the morning and then sleep all day, come back and do another two, sleep all day. That's all I could survive. God's already given me all that I need for all that he asks me to do. What have you got? What have you got in your hand? Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor now. I'm slow of speech. The Lord said, who gave the human beings their mouths? Humility is not overconfidence, but neither is it self-deprecation. That's a big word for me, isn't it? I heard it somewhere. It sounded good. And I just checked it out. It's right. I think I've even spelled it right. But it's what I've been given. It's not overconfidence. I'm the man. And it's not, I'm not the man. I'm useless and I'm hopeless. It's what have I been given? And we read this. In Acts, it says about Moses. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. That's what it says about Moses. He was brought up in Pharaoh's household. He was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and actions, but things had happened in his life, and so now he'd gone to the other extreme, and I can't do this no more. But humility is realizing that all I have is a gift from God. So don't deny what you have, nor rely on the gift, but rely on the giver. He's given you all that you need. That's why Paul says in the New Testament, you should have sober judgment regarding yourself. What faith have you been given? What abilities have you been given? What gifts have God given you to use them for him? Humility is not saying, I've got nothing, I can do nothing, I'm useless, I'm hopeless. That's not humility. It's fitting in with the gifts and the purposes and the abilities and the experiences that God has given you. God put me in a place where I could get a bus license so I could do this. And God put me in a place where I did kids' ministry when I was a young person. So now when we had a church that needed, didn't have a Sunday school, we did kids' ministry, it wasn't a big deal. We could just do it because God's provided all that you need. 
wherever he wants to place you. You see, humility is not denying my abilities. It's acknowledging their source and using them under his leadership in your life. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. (laughs) Five ladies getting worse and worse. God was not taking any of his excuses in the end. He said, not me, please ask somebody else. But notice the Lord's reaction. He didn't say, oh, what a humble man. Oh, dear, how humble. He's not full of himself. No. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Why? Because what's he been saying to Moses? I have seen, I know the situation, and I have chosen you to help me to do that, to bring them out of slavery. I will be with you. I have given you a staff. It's going to be my authority with you. In one sense, I've given you the best education and training in Egypt and in the desert. You're going to be leading people through a desert just like you've led these sheep through this desert for the last 40 years. You're going to be able to communicate with a pharaoh because you've grown up in Pharaoh's house. You are just the right man for the job because I didn't turn up at the last minute. God's saying, I've been there from the beginning. Your life is not an accident. You're created in love for a loving God who's lovingly working in your life and he's just, just hoping that you will respond in love and humility to him. and Say, Lord, I just want to fit in with your plans. What are your plans? And my prayer is listening and asking, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. You'll give me all that I need to do what all you ask of me. So humility is placing yourself under legitimate authority. And we learn that. We start learning this in the home from our parents. That's why the Bible teaches us to obey our parents, learn to listen to their leadership. So ultimately, when I become an adult, I'll listen and fit in with his leadership. When you're in the workplace and different things, learn to fit in with the leadership that's there because one day God's going to ask you to lead in a home, in a small group. Don't do it like Moses began, but do it like he ended. This is responsibility that's been given by God. He's given me the gifts and abilities, and I'm just fitting in with his plans to serve him and bring him honor and fulfill his purposes in this world. Humility is not saying I can't. It's fitting in with God's choices. And at the end of his life, we read this about Moses in Hebrews chapter 3. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. Moses was faithful. One of the gifts of the Spirit is faithfulness. One of the fruit of the Spirit, sorry, is faithfulness. And in Moses' life, there was this faithfulness. He had learned to place himself under God's leadership, fitting in with God's plan even though he'd struggle with that at the burning bush as he talked to God. And even though his compromise actually caused problems because God said, all right, Aaron can go with you and he can be the spokesman. I'll speak to you and you can tell him what to say. And Aaron was the one who did the golden calf. It causes further problems. God could have done it without Aaron, but anyway. So be careful what you ask for. But he learnt. And he began to be a faithful 
servant in God's house, fulfilling God's purposes. God is working in you so he can work through you. Don't miss God in the ordinary, in the disappointments of life. Don't see prayer as ordering God to do what you want. See prayer as listening to God to fit in with his plans. And have a humble heart. Don't make excuses thinking that's humility. Yes, and don't be overconfident in your own ability. It's, it's realizing that all the resources that I have are a gift from God. My education's a gift. The family I was brought up in a gift. My experience is a gift. My spiritual gift, everything I have is a gift from God. So how do I fit in with his plans and use all that he's given me to serve him and to please him? Wherever he places me in life, wherever he takes me, to be a faithful servant of his pleasing him, no matter the circumstances, no matter the different venues. So at the end of your life, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Oh, Father, help us to be your humble servants. Thank you for the example of Moses and all that you achieved and did through him. We pray that you'll help us to learn how to fit in with your plans. And obey your will in our life. Give us a desire to please you. May our heart's desire be to please our Heavenly Father. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to remain seated while we take up our offering. If you're a guest here this morning, don't feel obligated to give. Hope you've enjoyed the service and uh, we will stand when we're asked to stand.